All right, we really need to figure out how to get back to our time and tell future you what's going on. I know, but I still don't know how to use this time thingy. Well, maybe I can help with that. Charlie? That's right, Chris's. Come with me if you want to not be family. Charlie, what's going on here? At some point in the past, the mutant messiah did something, and it brought about the rise of Reverse Christie as the Lady of Gospitaliano, thus causing this pasta-based nightmare future. I'm the only thorn in her side. Uh, what kind of things do you resist with? I distribute delicious waffles and hash browns in several ways. Topped, smothered... Okay, let's keep this vague enough for copyright. Anyway, I know how to use your machine, but it means using the noodly spire out in the middle of the courtyard. I'll distract Reverse Christie long enough for you to activate the machine. Just promise me, figure out whatever prevents a stark future. They still don't have a school in Tuscany. It's all lies. Will do, Charlie. Of course. Let's go. All right, Chris's, there's the spire. Just plug this part in and activate. It'll take a few seconds. Get moving. Ah, they finally show their face. This timeline's nemesis to me and my current dalliance of delicious pasta. Save it, R.C. You come here and you pretend like crappy pasta and breadsticks are the be-all, end-all of cuisine, which is a complete load of crap. You ever tried anything good? Or are you all chained to the lowest common denominator food? You overhype and overcharge for low quality. Low quality food and a low quality leader. That's right. You've ignored me all these years, pretending like I'm nothing, while I chip away at every inch you've gained and every scrap you scavenged. Well, I'm here now. No hiding. No sneaking. Just you versus me, R.C., and if you think I'm going to let you keep this Tuscan trash lie for one more second, then you don't know Charlie Davis. Whoa, what a promo. Okay, how's it coming? Just a few more seconds. Wow, Charlie's really taking it to reverse you. It's weird watching your doppelganger get beat up. Yeah, you're telling me. All right, it's ready. Say bye-bye, Pastaverse. Oh, hey. You're back. I weeded your garden, and the kids are napping. Old Chris, we gotta ask. What can we do to prevent the future we saw? The Pastaverse future? Oh, that one? That was the future? Yeah, just make sure your kids eat their peas and we should be good. That's it? Yeah, butterfly effect and all that. Well, time to hit the old Dusty. Have a good one, young Chris's. Bye. Well, that was kind of anticlimactic. I guess the journey is more important than the destination? Maybe. But in this case, the destination is... Talking about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to part three of Messiah Complex. Uh, it's a very exciting time. We are finishing up the last episode of the year, but it will actually come out in 2020. And we are so excited to have with us here today a special guest. The requester of this episode, Charlie Davis. Charlie, hi! Hi, guys. How are you? 
Good. I probably should have also introduced you with like other things you do, like the uh, co-host of the podcast, Young Ones, writer for Xavier Files, occasional writer for The Beat. Maybe I should have done that. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I uh, I wouldn't say I th- I've, I've thrown off all titles, uh, but it did morph into Dean Ambrose for a second while I was in that promo that you wrote <laughs> me. So I'm back now. So yeah, accolades, all the accolades. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually an unsanctioned episode of Chris's it's on a light, It's a lights out episode. <laughs> it's a lights out episode. We are recording in a dark closet. <laughs> that makes all the difference. Yep. <sighs> makes for better pod. <laughs> but no, uh well thank thank you for for uh saying those nice things about me. I um I'm happy to be here with you guys. I'm excited that I'm excited that I get to be a patron of yours. <laughs> oh, thanks, Charlie. Um, Charlie also has requested a new accolade, which we're going to get into later in this episode. Oh, it's a really good one. I'm really excited to unveil this accolade. It's it's like it's like you just thought long and hard about what would set Chris and I up to just make the best yucks every I, time. I tried. I was going to be selfish about it, but then I decided not to be. So that was my <laughs> gift unto you. <laughs> That's a really good one. <laughs> so I'm glad I could help. So we don't really have any other business to take care of on the top. We hope everybody had good holidays and continue to to have them. I know Christy Moss was a pretty, pretty good one. I hope you all celebrated. You enjoyed cake and you you gave each other comics. That is the way we celebrate. That's how we celebrate Christy Moss. <laughs> it's, I mean, is there any other way to celebrate? <laughs> it could all be like a pie here. holiday instead of a cake one. Oh. You did. Do you I prefer don't... pie over cake, Christy? Oh, I don't. Mm. You're such an equal opportunity mm. deserter. I am. I think it would depend on the the pie because there's definitely pies I would like not prefer yeah. over cake. Only your and favorite cakes that pies. I would not prefer prefer over pie. It's a tricky one. <sighs> it's this. There is no correct answer. There's no sometimes. correct answer. There's no correct answer sometimes. Do you count cheesecake? A cheesecake is a cake and not a pie. A, a cheesecake, mm. I feel. This is just my opinion. Uh. It's in a category <laughs> on its own. So a cheesecake isn't okay. necessarily a cake, but it's also not a pie. It's just kind of nebulously somewhere in the middle of those things because I feel like you either like cheesecake or you don't at all. So That's true. It's not it doesn't really factor into the do I like cake or pie situation. Mm. I'd pick a key lime cake over an angel food or key lime pie over angel food cake. Any day of the week. Well, of yeah. course. Hands well, down. That's not no even one's bringing decision. you an angel food cake on your birthday, and if they do, please just them. <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> like, my here late- is this cake that doesn't taste like anything. Happy birthday. <laughs> my late grandmother got me angel food cakes for my birthday every year. Oh, well, now, I'm gonna, now we're going to feel awful. <laughs> they were bad, and I hated them. <laughs> <laughs> they were the worst, and actually... Here's- terrible i love them if you completely like douse them in strawberries and i mean like strawberries and like the accompanying strawberry syrupy goo yeah you, you have- just need it to make like a strawberry shortcake yeah you have yeah to- but strawberry shortcake is basically <laughs> just that so it's strawberry like strawberry shortcake should actually be made with a biscuit and i know you guys talk a lot about biscuits oh. so oh, like a it's sweet a of- biscuit with ice cream strawberries and mm. whipped cream that's really it 
I feel like I've only ever had strawberry shortcake in like those pre-made, almost like little Twinkie texture shells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had a really good strawberry shortcake, which is I, unfortunate. I um, should make some. I'll show you the way at some point. Uh, I've got a, I've got a couple breasts. Just 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 go on the Bon Appetit website. You'll get anything you need there. That's true. <laughs> Claire Savitz would never steer us wrong. Right. She actually has like a a like strawberry shortcake recipe that is. Out of this world. She also has an angel food cake recipe that I am certain <laughs> is better than anyone that any of us have had previously. So. Probably true. If professional pastry chef Claire Savitz can't make angel food cake good, then it just can't be. Then made it just good. can't be done, and we should just, just all give done. up. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of not giving up, let's uh, let's let's segue this into <laughs> into our summary. Summary. Uncanny X-Men number 494, written by Ed Brubaker, penciled by Billy Tan, inked by Danny Mickey and Alan Martinez, colored by Frank D'Armada, lettered by Joe Caramagna, and edited by Nick Lowe. Bishop's attempt to kill the baby, yikes, bud, is interrupted by the Marauders. They fight Bishop, who says the child absolutely has to die, into submission, leaving him unconscious in the ruined Eerie as the X-Men approach. In the future, Madrox meets up with Layla, who is also tattooed with the M on her eye. She tells him that they need to find Bishop as a kid, since he grew up in this horrible camp. The X-Men find Bishop, who tells them a partial truth about the situation, leaving out, of course, that he was trying to kill the baby. Cyclops has Bishop go with X-Force, who take to the air to be ready once they find the baby. The Cuckoos are trying to track the baby, but their signal keeps flickering. Emma reminds them to track the Marauders instead. Duh. Oh, and also Cable. Cyclops is done with him. Cable walks back to his pilfered plane and decides he's going to have to go with Plan B, and he psychically contacts Professor X for help. X-Factor number 27. Written by Peter David. Penciled by Scott Eaton. Inked by John Dell, Andrew Hennessy, and Dave Micus. Colored by Brian Reber. Lettered by Corey Pettit. And edited by Nick Lowe. Layla and Madrox talk to young Bishop, where they figure out why these camps exist. At one point, mutants claimed a mutant messiah would come to help mutants lead humans to a great destiny. Unfortunately, the messiah kills a million humans. So that's why things were like this, and explains why Bishop is after the baby. Layla bumps into a guard while talking to Bishop, and after Bishop leaves... To be left alone, Madrox discovers that Layla has put a grenade on his belt, which explodes, killing Madrox, or rather, a dupe of Madrox. The Cuckoos track the Marauders and find out they're in the ruins to Muir Island. X-Force heads off to intercept. Siren stands over the comatose Madrox and gives us the whole sad plot rundown in case we forgot, but suddenly Madrox wakes up. His dupe being reabsorbed seems to have triggered his consciousness. He demands to know where Bishop is. Professor X is somehow caught up with Cable and is patching him up. Cyclops and Strong Guy debate who caused this whole mess after Bishop goes radio and telepathy silent, and Madrox barges in demanding they go save Layla. Emma Frost, 
knocks him out. Cable explains to Professor X, who has set their jet on a course to Muir Island, that he didn't tell the X-Men of his baby-saving plans because so many of his former comrades have become marauders. Cable also stresses the importance of the mutant messiah in creating a brighter future. The marauders arrive at Muir Island, where Mystique has incapacitated Sinister. She takes the child for unknown purposes. At the Xavier Mansion, the new X-Men visit graves of some of their comrades, only to find Predator X feasting. X-Force arrives to find Muir Island completely deserted. Wolverine, however, pops his claws and stabs into empty air. Only instead of empty air, he hits Lady Mastermind, who is concealing the bad guys. It's time for another big fight. New X-Men number 46, written by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost, penciled by Umberto Ramos, inked by Carlos Cuevas and Dave Mikas, colored by Edgar Delgado, lettered by Dave Sharp, and edited by Nick Lowe. We flash back to three hours ago as Mystique speaks with Sinister over the comatose rogue who is likely dying. Sinister honestly doesn't seem to care and starts to order Mystique around, but Mystique pushes him into Rogue, killing him. Gambit arrives at the present with the baby and seems to be pretty stoked that Sinister is pushing daisies. X-Force and the Marauders fight it out, but things aren't looking great for the bad guys when the rest of the X-Men show up. Mystique tells Greycrow that Sinister needs time with the baby and to hold off the X-Men using any means they can. Instead, Mystique takes the baby to the comatose rogue, explaining to Gambit that Destiny, her dead but clairvoyant wife, saw this occurring, and while Gambit is wondering what the heck is going on, Mystique presses the baby to Rogue's mouth. What the heck, baby murderer? The new X-Men kids try to fight off Predator X, with Surge taking a big leadership role. Riptide stands over an unconscious Wolfsbane and prepares to kill her before he passes out. Professor X and Cable have arrived to give the psychic whammy. Gambit stops Mystique, and luckily, the child seems fine. Mystique, distraught that Rogue is not helped, collapses in frustration. Gambit reminds Mystique that Rogue would never want a child to die for her, and Xavier arrives to take the baby. Predator X heads for the infirmary to attack the wounded, and in the confusion, Pixie uses the logic of, X-23 has killed one of these, so I'm going to teleport it to her. Poof. The new X-Men and Predator X appear at Muir Island just in time for Cable to take the baby and try to get to the future, only to be blocked. By Bishop! X-Men number 207, written by Mike Carey, penciled by Chris Bacallo, inked by Tim Townsend, Victor Olasaba, John Seibel, and Al Vey, colored by Brian Reber and Edgar Delgado, lettered by Corey Pettit, and edited by Nick Lowe. Bishop is interrupted by the appearance of Predator X, leaving Cable to give him the slip. Cyclops orders X-Force to take out Predator X and for the new X-Men to fight the Marauders in a move that shocks Emma Frost. Cyclops confronts Cable and demands the baby. Cable retorts that leaving the baby in this time opens her up to agendas and plots, and Xavier enters the scene to agree with Cyclops. Cable should hand him the baby. Rogue wakes up, and when Mystique tells her all the things that were done to assist in her recovery, Rogue slaps her mother and demands she never do this again. She approaches Mystique and grabs her with an ungloved hand. The X-Men continue their fight, with Pixie taking out Malice and Dust assisting Emma Frost in incapacitating Exodus. Wolverine leaps into the open mouth of Predator X, ripping it to pieces from the inside. Gross! 
Cable hands over the baby to Cyclops, and Scott muses over the other time he had to send a baby into the future. He realizes the key to the new futures are both in these tiny hands. Mystique is not dead, only passed out. However, Rogue now has her memories, but the baby has wiped clean everything else. Rogue leaves, telling Gambit not to follow her. Cyclops gives back the baby and tells Cable to take her away and give her the freedom to choose her own life. Cable time slides by two and Bishop futilely fires at him, instead headshotting the professor. In grief, Cyclops says there are no more X-Men as the dream has died with Charles. And in the future, Cable and the baby watch the sunrise. All right, Christy, Charlie, did you like the the end of Messiah Complex? Christy first. Really, really, you're ma- well. Me first. <laughs> I like it. Chris is going first. <laughs> you liked it. I liked it. Charlie next. <laughs> Christy last. Uh, I liked it. It reminded me why I liked the X books that were coming out at the time that that this all happened a lot of these books and just the time period in x-men in general i feel especially now gets lauded because of like m day and everything like that so this was nice if not in content simply because i think the character work in these books is something to be looked at and said hey you know when i'm writing these characters like these are the voices i want for them so if if not if nothing else, I really enjoyed the last half of this, and I like the event in general. Okay, so I guess it's me, and I got to go last. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I feel like I'm a little bit unfair to this event because I wasn't reading it as it came out, mm-hmm. and I know, and I know it's not fair of me to say this, but I read it now, and I'm just like, well, this doesn't feel like it was really that important. At the in, time, in, it was huge. I know. Right. I know. And I and I can understand that and look back at it, but me reading it now, and I'm like, oh, Professor X is bleeding on the ground. Okay. Well, I can't wait till we get into Civil War, which was so important at the time, but now it's completely unimportant. <laughs> well, here's my, here's my question for you, Christy, mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. because I don't know if it's because we're just so far removed from this, mm-hmm. or if it's because of the new things that are happening in the X universe now, mm-hmm. do you think the stakes were like at, taken away from this because you know what's ha- you, what's happened since, or you're like, oh, death doesn't matter anymore, so whatever. I mean, I mean a little bit of both. I I think even even before the current state of X Men, death in comics mattered a lot, or didn't didn't really feel like it mattered a lot because especially going back and reading all of this old stuff and knowing. Yes, I know this character had very long runs that happened after their death. So obviously they come back. So mm-hmm. the deaths feel less meaningful going back and reading it. Do you ever wish you could just go back to the Silver Age to the first time a character died and just like convince that they're dead forever and you're like crushed about <laughs> no, it? Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> no one wants to live with that. Well, I'm trying to think of the first Marvel deaths in comics, and I think, I think, well, obviously, like, the first Marvel death in comics, uh, at least 
after after the Silver Age would have been Uncle Ben, like immediately. And he still hasn't come back. So in some ways things like that are respected. I mean the the deaths that feel like going back and reading them that most matter to me are ones that were like very noble and intentional sacrifices and said something a lot about a character mm-hmm. and their character as as a, them as a person. Mm-hmm. Like it would develop them even if they came back even if it didn't matter it said something about their character for what they were willing to die for mm. that's not i'm I, so <laughs> and this one this one's a little different than that charlie correct me if i'm wrong but this doesn't actually really kill charles xavier no. does it correct right yeah i saw in like the upcoming at the end the upcoming issues like the whole professor x kind of losing his powers sort of book Mm -hmm. like he's he's alive but his brain's brain's not doing great x-men legacy was pretty wild (laughs) i think for me if you can put yourself back into the place that everyone would have been at while reading this book i think you may have already been so stunned that they pulled the trigger on the no more mutant situation that's that you true. might have just been like, of course they're gonna f- kill everybody. Excuse <laughs> 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 my language. Um, you know, you know that's what I mean. Like that. That's, that's a very. That's. I don't remember something so. Like I want, don't want to say earth shaking, but so, a, an event so bad that stuck around so long. Uh huh. So I think if you were like, oh, they depowered all the mutants. Except for my faves, except for my fave, um, <laughs> uh, you know what else are they gonna do? You know, it's kind of like let's keep heaping the dirt on, right? That situation. This was this was nice to read after House of M because I kind of read the events in in somewhat of an order. Although I think when I started reading X-Men comics, Second Coming hadn't happened yet. And then I kind of fell off of X-Men comics for a while. So I still haven't read Second Coming. But this was like the first like, oh, thank God, they're not just going to always be this way. Like, mm-hmm. at least there's something to hope for. Something something to hope for, <laughs> right? Which, you lied to me. You told me by the end I would know who the baby yeah, is. Yeah, I'm like, you're going to totally know who this baby is at the end and it's going to blow your mind. And then I was like, oh yeah, they don't actually say who the baby is. I'm, so so you told me and I was like, oh! Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then you're like, what are Hope's powers? And I'm like, they're the same as Sinks. And you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Some would argue that Sink can use his power is better than hope can that's fair she, she he just wasn't alive at the time <laughs> uh yeah uh, well at least those at least those mistakes have been rectified it's true everybody's alive it's true mm-hmm. all your faves all your all your faves they may not all be you're not faves all, all you're not faves <laughs> somebody else's faves are also alive everybody's here everybody's in the pool it seems maybe a little too crowded we just don't know i do want to tell you that this Reading these last chapters made me miss the heck out of old Cable. Oh, oh yeah, he was he was the dadness dad Cable. It was yeah. great. Like I just miss this Cable. Like I mm-hmm. like I think some like some of his parts in this are the strongest. Um, like the entire like the entire part where he's like talk like monologuing like on the ship like about like what the future means and like all that stuff. Like I'm just like I miss this cable so much, and then we mm-hmm. have like, yeah, like a someone that was grown in a vat or something, and that didn't 
gestate all the way. We got to deal with that <laughs> one for a while or something. I don't know. I didn't. I, I'm sorry. Very biased against that small cable. I was just starting to like peak my old cable love, and then he he died, and I was like, "What? What is this?" Um. Yeah, I didn't want. Like, I I was like, okay. I guess this I'll we'll deal with this. And then like Star absolutely hated him in that X Force run that was very recent. And I'm like And you're like, yeah. Yeah. Try and stab him in the middle of the night, please. <laughs> like you're just being an avatar for everybody else's feelings. It's fine. But yeah, it really made you miss the real cable. So The real the realist cable. Um yeah. one thing No, oh. I feel like I I have been a little bit unfair that i i want to say that i don't think think this is a bad event i not that like that it's poorly written or any of that stuff it just didn't feel like it had the same impact on me because like crossover you think about all right how does this affect the status quo going forward which this did yeah it was big it launched a bunch of books off of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so even though Looking at it in the present lens, I feel like I lost some of the emotional impact that was intended by the story. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that makes it less of a, the good story that you guys really connect to and like. Yeah. For me, personally, I will almost always say a story or a comic was good if there were very relatable and like good like character moments in it. <laughs> they almost always, for me, like, like come over any plot. Like, it could be some cr- crazy plot that, like, someone's like, well, this doesn't make sense. Or, like, there's holes in this one. And if you give me, like, the good character stuff I'm looking for, I will overlook that always. I think there was a succinctness to these characters that felt like them 100% of the time that... I don't think we've had in a quite a long while. It is just frankly shocking how many character like beats or characters that we seem to really hit on and get nice moments with yeah. throughout this, mm-hmm. and it's still all a cohesive story. Exactly. That's probably the best part of this crossover. I think this is the best crossover that does that. The the X Men six people are writing it deal. Yeah, it doesn't feel I don't like know- that. Yeah, I don't, I can't think of one better right off the bat. There's, you know, I, I go to bat for Battle of the Atom a lot, but it like, it like definitely dips at points. Mm-hmm. Whereas I never felt like there was like a weak link. The, I guess the closest would be the, the new X-Men stuff because the, the art was such a, such a whiplash for me. <laughs> um, I felt like the art for most everything else did not seem quite as odd. Although it was interesting because you would go, from sort of the more the more like quote unquote realistic art into Umberto Ramos's art, and then into Bacalo's art, which is just like slight, which is just uh, similar but like better. Yeah, <laughs> so those. You- <laughs> yeah, those are those are the those are the two that have the most stylistic consistency. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you that I really dislike all the covers for these? Um, <laughs> I like. I feel like that's fair. Yeah, they're they're pretty bad. They're all really like they're super sketchy. Like, yeah, and I mean, like, like sketches and like, there's just lots, tons of lines. Yeah, it doesn't look like your car is going to be broken into. <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> we haven't parked somewhere where we shouldn't have. Ooh, I, I think I'm going to have to turn this comic over. It's looking kind of sketchy. <laughs> um, then I'm okay with 
with that, you know, for the most part, I don't think the colors did them any favors. And no, the two thousands were were like everything needs to be shades of brown. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'm just like these are ugly. Like if I had to like look at a comic cover and been like, am I going to purchase this? Like if that was my factor, I would not have purchased these. That's fair. There's the one where Emma's looking pretty tough on the front, but is still like very sexy Emma. Yeah, I think uh, that's the best cover, but that's the only one I can I can even <laughs> remember right off the bat. Big strong Emma. <laughs> Big strong Emma. Well, <laughs> I mean, the way that it should be, right? Um, you know, now that you guys have gotten like a, a like a small sampler uh, charcuterie board, if you will, of all these different titles. Um, what would be the one that you would have continued reading after the 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 whole crossover was over with? So at this point, it gets renumbered, but X Men Legacy, which is the like Mike Carrier was writing X Men before this, and it became X Men Legacy. That's the one I think I I would have gone for right away. Not to, that in Cable, like Cable starts after this. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I immediately want to know what's happening with Cable and Baby Hope. But Mike Carey is really good. Hey, they invited him to do a book recently. They did. Fortunately, he couldn't do it. Oh, yeah. I'd want to keep reading X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to know what happens to Layla. I want to follow that storyline. Things get weird. Things happen. X Factor, at some point, Peter David is like, what if I did a weird thing? And then he just does a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Terry's going to be pregnant with a dupe, and the dupe's going to get reabsorbed. And it's oh, all yeah. Gonna, it's yeah. all going to be meaningless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm making, so bitter I'm, about that. Like, that, 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 and, like, so many other things. But I think it's just really unfortunate, because when Peter David's on, he's on. Yeah. Like, he's laser-focused, like, and it's very good. But it's always got this, you always tip back. To like the parts that make you go, Ugh. <laughs> uh, and it's unfortunate. Um, like like this specific story, like obviously metaphorically and literally scars Jamie. Yeah, yeah. And like this spills out onto like every self destructive thing he does afterward, up into that you know you know Terry everything with Terry. Um, and I don't think Rick gets his his due credit for walking basically into a suicide mission in the beginning of the story. You don't see him again yeah, after that. I'm guessing we see him in X Factor again. Can, well, I tell right. you, can, can I tell you what happens? Is it bad? Uh, here's the story. So, it's not bad. It's just kind of weird. So, you know one of the guys that, when Rick was undercover, and like one of the purifier guys, um, that he like was buddy, like quote-unquote buddy-buddy with, who like ushered him into the purifiers... Yeah, mm-hmm. he finds out that Rick was undercover, hires Arcade to kidnap Richter, and that's a whole story. <laughs> <laughs> How do you have money to hire Arcade if you're just like a good old boy? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, Is it implied that the purifiers get a lot of money from like church donations? I would assume so. It's unfortunate. That is wild. <laughs> Um, purifiers don't have to pay taxes ugh, but oh. yeah so that happens to rick that happens to rick um he gets out of that jam it's okay but he walks into this this mission knowing that it's very risky mm-hmm. which to me is also like 
a slight suicidal ideation considering where he's at mentally. Um, he's like walking into this thing and he's like, I guess, if, I guess if I die, it'll be fine. Um, yeah. Very early on in this issue, someone has to like talk him off a ledge. Yeah. Like this, or, series, not this issue, the series. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the first issue. Like someone's like no, talking him issue. down um, from like committing suicide. It's like very stark for him. And then everything he does afterward, I think Peter David's really good at is like giving you like a little snippet of like his mental state and like knowing where he's at. Like his behavior is extremely self-destructive, mm-hmm. which is like, it's good. Like it's, it's very good. And it's like what sucks a lot of people into X factor as a book and Rick as a character, but somewhere along the way, he just drops the ball real, real hard. But you know, this part, I mean, I think he's one of the unsung heroes of the book. I mean, he got he like got people what they needed when they needed it, and everyone's mm-hmm. just like, "Hey, this baby, but what happened to Rick? I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't have powers anyway. We yeah. have to focus on the baby." Yeah. <laughs> Cyclops has a line in this that's just saddle up. Let's get the baby or something along those lines. I'm like, this is, this yep, is me when I go pick book. my kids up. <laughs> saddle up. We're going to go do some cowboy S-word. Cyclops does some, like, questionable stuff in this story, and it is, like, peak, like, whatever it it takes, Cyclops. I feel like if we would just stop and listen to somebody, like, anybody, just take somebody's advice, talk it through. And he kind of is not punished for it at all. Like, he's like, let's involve the children, and none of the children get hurt, which is, storyline-wise, what I thought was going to happen. No, they kick butt. He said, let's involve the children. And, like, Emma's like, let's involve the children. I'm like, maybe we shouldn't. Um, <laughs> and then the children win, and you're like, God, okay. What, what did we learn here? What did we learn here? <laughs> involve the children. Involve them, I guess. <laughs> I mean, we should include the children in de- children in decisions, and we should think about our children when we make those decisions about the future. But. <laughs> make them turn into dust and go into a guy's lungs. Yeah. Like, children are like adults, but smaller. the art the art definitely uh makes you think that we're all over the scale on this on this one boy the the art on young x-men is like sexy teens tm which is something Hmm. we we've gotten into that we've gotten into sexy teens tm they keep putting ramos on books where he draws teens and he does not i like him on spider-man but he doesn't really draw any teens (laughs) Stop drawing teens. Just don't. Or just, just don't. or just change the way you draw them. <laughs> like it's everything's and it's part and parcel because everything he draws is exaggerated. So right. it's like we're going here, I guess. Yeah, like Ma- Malice gets a gratuitous backside shot and it is like vast. <laughs> vast. That's a good way to put it, Chris. Yep. No, I did. You know, you know who I really liked in this book that who I forgot how like complex the character had gone at this point. Gambit. Oh, Gambit is really good. Mm-hmm. This is a very mm-hmm. good Gambit thing. He's mm-hmm. uh, in. I, I wanted to hate him at the beginning because he's a bad guy, but then at the end, he's like, "Sweet, I'm free. I'm out." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, Gambit, you're back." Yeah. Or like the moment when the cuckoos are like, "Poor Gambit, he's so lost." Like. Uh-huh. It just it takes those like couple lines to reframe like the things he's doing in the story. It's the yeah. good stuff. 
This is definitely also the Everyone's a Marauder comic. There's so many more. I, I know that the Acolytes are also kind of the Marauders now, but it's just like, sure. I saw characters a in this I hadn't seen in a while at the time. And I was like, I forgot you were here. I forgot Sunfire was there. Yeah. That was wild. People popping up all over the place in the background. Exodus kind of playing second fiddle to Sinister is wild. It's just funny because, like, reading, like, real, like, early 90s x-men stuff exodus is such like a like big bad or at least yeah. seems like one that it's weird just seeing him be like i guess i'll follow mr sinister <laughs> i guess we'll go do this again mm-hmm. he has a very nice cape yeah <laughs> this is the sinister with the cape we had we, earlier today i had you know how mr sinister keeps uh like he always keeps like clones of the marauders on standby yeah, mm-hmm. just for just for okay. funsies. We had I had a discussion today about like what if it was that? Like what if it was the same concept except for like when a wrestler gets quote unquote injured, they just <laughs> wheel them into the back and they bring out another one. <laughs> Instead of putting up the X with the arms, they put up like a C and then they play the music again. <laughs> it's clone Dean! It's clone Dean! <laughs> I think there'd be some weird Bray Wyatt stuff. <laughs> it seems, listen, you cannot tell me that it doesn't seem at least slightly plausible that Vince McMahon would have everybody's DNA on retainer. All right, listen, pal. You're going to go out there and you're going to get injured. But then your clone is going to come out. <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that that came in, that, that. I had a conversation with somebody about that today, so you know that's delightful. Mm-hmm. I want, I want a evil twin storyline in wrestling. I mean, I guess they they did that with the Bella Twins many times. I mean, I want happened. one where it's I, like, oh, sorry, Charlie. I know I'm going to stand by. This is happening with Seth right now. <laughs> it's, 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 evil Seth has come back and took away, took away good face Seth. It's true. It's been replaced. <laughs> it's been replaced. It's going to be Seth versus Seth. <laughs> the only one who knows who it is is Dean, but he's not here, so he can't. Help. No one can point out the real one. There can't be the moment on the roof with the with the the pistol and which one do I shoot? Because nobody knows. <laughs> And they moved Roman to SmackDown, so he can't help either. We're in a pickle. See? This is what's really happening. Let's get back to comics before I go off on a tangent. Thank you. Well, well speaking of tangents, let's go let's go on more with some Twitter questions. Yeah, I think I I like yeah. In general I liked this issue or this 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 end of it. It was mostly a big fight, so there's not a whole yeah, lot to talk a huge about. Huge fight. But the the questions address a few things. So yeah, mm-hmm. we'll go to questions. First question is from Xavier Files, uh, at Xavier Files on Twitter, who asks, did they really need the dinosaur there? He is, of course, referring to Predator X. I mean, I thought, I thought Predator X was going to be more important than it was. No, they, they didn't come need back. Predator X. They yeah, kind well, of yeah. like, they kind, they kind of come back as a recurring, like, villain, mm-hmm. um, down the line. They look different. I'm pretty sure this is the only time it looks just like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, <laughs> but... It's like a Tyrannosaurus Rex crossed with the Blue Eyes White Dragon from yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. It was it was just a fun vehicle to get more kids there. Yeah, and to, like, eat a couple Marauders. Like, also, Vertigo also, gets ripped in I kind of forgot, this comic, these comics are so bloody. 
<laughs> Boy, oh they sure gosh. are. Yeah. They're Ooh. extra bloody. Yeah. I think a cool personating dinosaur robot question mark is a pretty cool thing to have in your comic. I don't think it took, like, I don't think it, it seems outlandish when I say it, but I do think it was like something, because everybody needed their own little thing in the book, in each of the books to like have as a antagonist. So this mm-hmm. is clearly like the thing going on with like the kids in this last half. So mm-hmm. I think it, it gave, it definitely gave Surge a really cool moment that we'll talk about a little bit um, in the book. So I think it was used as a vehicle to like, give some people some spotlight that maybe wouldn't necessarily have had it otherwise because they would have got lost in the shuffle with everything else. Yeah. That's my opinion on the Mm -hmm. dinosaur. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Second question from Xavier Files is, which minor villain in this story do you most cherish? For me, it's Exodus. He gets (laughs) taken out like a punk two times. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's very true. I love him so. He's one of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Just the Marauders in general. Oh, they're great. Mm-hmm. Just like I love in, them. In general, when they're done correctly, like there could be like a pretty cool story about the Marauders and like their clones and like maybe how you feel about that situation, like if you are a Marauder. But I always like seeing Vertigo. I I think uh her costume's really neat and <laughs> um she could be pretty cool. So, I'm going to stick with her. <laughs> Too bad she got it, it, <laughs> in half. Fine. It's fine. If I'm going to go, I want maybe a dinosaur robot to eat me. Christy, do you have a minor villain uh, you most cherish? I, I mean, I thought it was really fun too to see the Marauders, especially like I don't know after Mutant Massacre, and I'm like, oh, these are these are those dudes again. Some of these people died. He had his neck broke. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. I guess this is happening. So I thought it was fun seeing all of them back. Final question from Xavier Files, not the final Twitter question in general. Why in the heck would the death of Xavier, a man who the X-Men had uniformly rejected at the time, lead to Cyclops disbanding the X-Men? I honestly have no idea. Everybody's just in a bad mood. They're just, yeah, they're just having, <laughs> it's like whenever uh, one of, one of, when our preschooler mm-hmm. is told that he cannot, uh, I don't know, just like play on a, a cell phone. And he just goes, no cell phone ever again. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, it's just wild because the whole whole event, they're like, gosh, Professor X, get out of here. This is These aren't your X-Men anymore. Like, leave us alone. And then, you know, like, well, guess we can't have the X-Men anymore. anymore. <laughs> the dream is dead now. The dream is dead. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a lot. Yeah. It's like so one Scott should know better. This man has faked his death on several <laughs> So many times. Uh two, it's Profex- Professor X. Do we really care? Debatable. Uh, <laughs> I felt like I cared more in Avengers versus X Men, and yeah, I know that I that's too. a weird thing to say. No, because that had some emotional like oomph behind it. Like this was coming from like Bishop, who going was not back, aiming for him was wasn't one wasn't aiming for him. Bad <laughs> shot. Right. Um, and like so, reading back through this, I think the worst thing that's happened that happened in this entire story was like the dragging down of bishop's character for like they, they just kind of they seem to do it for like plot devices stuff for funsies i guess yeah and i, and I think those that it, this last issue of x factor 
was supposed to humanize him Mm -hmm. or give you a motivation that you could carry with you. Like, while you're thinking about Bishop doing these bad things and, like, why he's doing them and, like, being like, okay, maybe he's got a point. Don't think he has a point. But you can maybe see, like, where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it did a, a great job of it. Yeah, I, I do like that in the current era, we're like, eh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, we're like, you know that silly stuff that happened all we'll back then? Let's just forget yeah, about it. <laughs> let's just forget about it. All right, the next question is going to come from at Ravel underscore near, near Ravel, who asks, Messiah Complex, while not being the start of the Extinction Era, that being House of M, it is part of the opening salvo of it. How does it read through that lens now, post that era, that seemed to be like, woo. okay, how does it read through how does it read through that lens now after that era that seemed to be regarded as going on way too long in this Hickman slash Krakoa slash Hoxpox era? I feel like I've kind of discussed this in my overall sentiments of reading this issue. This, this at least was interesting in ways that I find the decimation stuff not. I don't like wallowing in misery, and this finally was trying to not do that a little bit. It yeah. kind of still does, but... I guess it all depends where you think the... I mean, I know where Jordan T. White comes down on this situation, that the Extinction Era didn't end until Hawkpox started. I don't know if I buy that, but... Right. I, I think that this will be regarded as something different the further we move away from it. Mm-hmm. So we all really got burnt out with the th- this decimation starting. And then I think we further got burnt out when there weren't really any mutants anymore or new mutants anymore. And then maybe there were going to be some new mutants. And then Avengers X-Men happened. And then the Terrigen Mist stuff happened. And then we were back in the same thing again. I don't think this would feel so bad that it's something we all look back on and say, hey, that was a really bad time in comics. If uh-huh. we hadn't had, like, an extinction event happening, like, basically every two or three years since then. Right. They just, they, like, literally couldn't catch a break. Yeah. It was just constant misery. Exactly. It, it was yeah. the Terrigen Mist thing, bad. Like, bad. 100%. Like, why are we doing this? We've basically already done it. Like, there aren't very many mutants anyway. And if you remember... The end of AVX really should have been the end of this entire situation because Hope and Wanda joining hands, saying no more Phoenix, and then the epilogue to that story was a new mutant being born. Mm-hmm. So, like, what? <sighs> you know? Yep. All right, we have a, a quick, I think a quick one. Uh, we'll try to lightning round it a little bit from at uh, Arthur Stacy, Adam Reck. Superstar podcaster and artist asks, <laughs> does the difference in art in each of the books distract you from the story for either of you and probably also you, Charlie? I'm sure, I'm sure Adam, uh, Adam met you too. <laughs> I feel like, I think it was in the, the last episode, like we mentioned, like, yeah, the art's really different, but I think we've just kind of gotten used to that in crossovers. Uh, like, only the Ramos stuff like grabbed me out of it, but then, but, 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 but Kahlo is not that different from ramos someone's gonna throw something at the back of my head (laughs) so that that kind of helped but those two are like so tonally different than the other ones i definitely did have some moments where i'm like okay wait oh this is this is that same character that that we were seeing in last 
it like malice was so different with every artist sometimes some of the characters that i wasn't as familiar with or wasn't as used to seeing Mm -hmm. it took me a while to recognize them again Mm -hmm. with each artist so that was a little tough for me yeah there weren't there weren't like consistent touch points i think the story would have been much stronger had there been a artist across the board but obviously these are this this is a crossover there where there's titles like there's different titles involved yeah so you're you're never that's never going to happen I feel like the writing was cohesive enough that it lets you forgive a lot of those differences in the art. Yeah. Right. Um, Next question is from at Daniel P. Grote, Dan Grote, co-owner of the WMQ Comics (laughs) website. Uh, The the most handsome man in comics podcasting. (laughs) As agreed by Chris. Uh, Definitely true. Would this story have worked as well with the Nasty Boys in place of the Marauders? Before we get into the next question, before we answer this one, I can't tell the difference between the Nasty Boys and the Marauders. I cannot do it. The Nasty Boys are much sillier. I don't know anything about the Nasty Boys. There are other sinister people. Wait, he's got two? Yeah. yeah. He didn't make these ones, though. He didn't make the Nasty Boys. He just employs them. The Nasty Boys are just more fun Mm -hmm. versions of the Marauders. I could go for some fun in this. I I kind of like the Marauders a lot. The Marauders I, are pretty okay. Like sometimes, <laughs> they're like they're all fine. They're all, that's fine. They do bad stuff sometimes, but sometimes you want to cheer them, which probably leads into our next question. <laughs> the next question being also there are many factions in the story from the X Men to the Marauders to the Purifiers. Charlie, which team would John Moxley most align himself with? Oh, I thought about this one. So. I'm probably going to have to say the Marauders, mostly because uh, John sits on that line between, like, doing terrible, quote-unquote, things, like, just being extremely violent and liking that, um, to having a moral compass. He has his own, like, his own code. So I feel like he'd be in the Marauders in this specific instance, but it would be because he, like, believed in... He's like kind of like Gambit in this story. Like he had something to do, or like believed in somebody else that was a member of this team. And like mm-hmm. once they would be like, "Hey, this is actually bad," he'd be like, "Okay, I'm out too." It's it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been by like I want to do these evil things. It'd be like, "Okay, well, I have a code I'm following, and maybe as long as I'm here, I can keep this on the on lockdown, and it maybe it won't be as bad as it could be." That's my thought on it. <laughs> I'm in. All right. I, I have no opinion. So shall it be written? <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are questions. You see, everybody just is like, hey, let's throw Charlie a question only they can answer. <laughs> because That's true. Because I thought way too much about it. Not this specific question, just, you know, how I feel about John and his life. <laughs> um, the next question is from at uh, CrawlBD Benjamin, who asks, oh, there's this is an and or question. So I guess we get to pick one. Um, let's do the first one. If you could change any one part of this story, what would you choose? Um, Professor Xavier not dying. I don't get, I don't get it. Uh, you, youths looking like youths. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair. That's very fair. Charlie, do you have one? Um, I'd probably make the rogue storyline more coherent. Like what? <laughs> Uh, maybe it was because I was missing some context, and I'm sure I was. But yeah, I think something leads into it, but it doesn't lead into it 
it doesn't pick up on it immediately. No. It kind of picks up on it halfway through. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. here also, here's the thing. If we're going to have Rogue make a choice at the end of the book to be like, I'm going to kill Mystique. She's going to live inside of my brain. Just go all the way with it. <laughs> just 100% just kill her instead of just kind of knock her out, Okay, I guess. Yeah. All right. Our final question is from Facebook, a platform we, we never get questions every, on. Everyone, well, it's because we don't always share out uh, this time. And I think one other time I was like, oh, let's share the link to the tweet where we ask for questions. I'm like, eh, most of the people that follow us on Facebook probably follow us on Twitter or they're like our friends who like <laughs> followed the podcast because they wanted to be supportive, but they probably don't really listen. Yeah. But we have a question from Facebook. Yeah. From Drew Garland, who asks, uh, or starts with a statement and it turns into a question. I get why people malign the decimation slash extinction era of X-Men, but to me, this and second coming form an isolated bright spot. Do either of you have another favorite story during an unpopular run? Love the show XOXO. Thank you, Drew. Um, a favorite story during an unpopular run. Ooh. Just of anything. Oh, yeah. Cause this isn't like X. Limited. This this is anything. Just, I mean, that's probably gonna be my touch point. Would you maybe say it's X Men Unlimited? Chris, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that makes it sound like it's like the Marvel Unlimited app but for x-men so it's all x-men i'm making a joke because there was a title for a while called x-men unlimited well i don't have that knowledge so your joke (laughs) wasn't effective (laughs) (laughs) thank you christy (laughs) um oh this is gonna be a toughie i think (sighs) what's an unpopular run that i really like have read recently Apparently, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I say apparently, but I know that it's true. Um, people really dislike the Bendis era. Is it really that unpopular? I feel like it was. I mean, they brought huh. me into comic, it brought me into comics and kept me in comics. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I'm trying to think about something that's very like, oh, here's a good answer 90s X Force. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that is fair. I I think I think we're 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 you you particularly, but I think a lot of us are at the forefront of a X Force was good actually Renaissance. Yes, um, but you know every um, everybody you know is like boo nineties comics and like boo like this gross mess of comics that nobody likes, you know. And I was talking uh, the other day, I think it was yesterday, that with comics sometimes it seems like. I'm always there. I'm always there saying, "Hey, but these characters and this story has value." When like no one else is, I mean, when I say no one else, I mean like a mass audience isn't like you know looking at it like that because someone's nobody's gonna say, "Hey, Cyclops." Hey, think about how cool Cyclops is in this story. Everybody's like, "Yeah, Cyclops is pretty cool." So I'm always That's like, true. I feel like I'm always like fighting to tell people that the characters that I like have these great moments and these great stories and this value. Um, so 90s X-Horse would be that for me because it gets so maligned otherwise. Um, I'm going to go with the exti- with the, the Terrigen Mist era Ooh. stuff. Ooh. I think that um, 
Dennis Hollum's uh, all new X Men was a was a bright spot in that era. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Christy's read like no unpopular runs of comics. Because well, apparently I have because a lot of things that I like get canceled. Oof. <laughs> so that's not a good measuring. <laughs> You're going to be like Spider Woman. <laughs> I mean, and a lot of things are like good, but not the clearly not popular if they didn't sell. Well, I mean, we right. can, we could say that that Spider Woman series came out at the time. Right after Secret Wars, which was like by all intents and purposes a, oh. a mess, like just with, at Marvel, at Marvel, yeah, so, yeah. that was and, a rough spat. And, and Jess is just like, screw the Avengers. Here's my solo title. The Avengers run at that point, not good. So I don't, um, yeah, I don't even know what's happening. I don't even know what was happening with them around that point in time. They were called the all new, all different Avengers, oh, and okay. um, they tried to kind of. They did some legacy character stuff. It wasn't the characters themselves that were bad. Like, I'm not going to blame this oh, on legacy characters. Oh, was that the characters. Ninja's team that had, like, uh, Kamala and Miles on it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was just bad stories. Yeah. I was excited about the lineup when they announced it. It just didn't end up going anywhere. But I didn't like any of those, so that, that doesn't count. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's very quickly move on to accolades. Oh, yeah. Accolades. Oh, and we get to unveil our newest accolade. Yes. All right. Accolades. Christy, what is the best line in this comic? Okay. Uh, my best line comes from Mystique when she says, I've always been good with children. Ugh. It's a very <laughs> good line. I guess it's right at the moment that like she unfails herself, that, it, that it's her, and it's just... <laughs> it's good. The line and all that implies, it's good. It's a good That's line. Good. My best line is from Warpath. Who says, I'll say this about fighting monsters. At least you don't have to bother with the witty banter, which in and of itself is witty banter. <laughs> you and I have the same best line. <laughs> <gasps> Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. Daily Double. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to Greatest Hero. Yeah, Greatest Hero. Chris, who's your Greatest Hero? Mine's Cable for being just a good dad. And he, he's, like the, he's like the rightest person in this comic. No one is quite as correct as Cable. I, I, Layla. Layla is my greatest hero. Oh, I she feel does like good. she does no wrong. She does. I feel like she does some, some silly stuff, but it's because she knows things. It's because she knows things. It's because yes. she knows stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Charlie, who's your greatest hero? My greatest hero is Richter because he walked into a suicide mission and didn't even blink twice. <laughs> So. He was definitely my. I, I think I named him greatest hero in our first. Yeah, yeah, because that's where a lot of his his his, scenes his arc but, happened. But as for like this last half, I would probably mm. say Cable, just because he, Chris, you're right. Like he's the one doing the right thing, uh-huh. like and taking the the rightest path, and everyone else is like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm gonna do morally gray stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like Cable has the most n- knowledge, though, to make really correct decisions. Yeah, in this case, Cable always proving that knowledge is power, and he kind of and he knows, and, he, and he's not, <laughs> yeah. and he's not pushed forward by like something that will cloud his judgment, like Bishop is. So Bishop's mm-hmm. clearly working off a lot of terrible, bad emotions, and that's clouding his judgment. So mm-hmm. Cable's the one guy who looked at all the facts and it's like, "This is what we're gonna do." That's true. Uh, how about coolest moment? Yeah, Charlie, what is your c- coolest moment? My coolest moment was actually when Surge saved 
all the rest of the new X-Men from the Predator X. Um, that is a good one. It was very good. She had, like, a good, like, triumphant line and just lit, lit that puppy up. Uh, and I'm a sucker for lightning powers because they're really awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> they are visually very cool. Yes. So Surge had had a really good moment um, and good moments in here, but that was probably one of my favorites. Uh, Chris, what about your coolest moment? Mine was when Wolverine uh, exploded out of Predator X from the inside. Oh, uh, that was that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It was gross, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. Uh... I loved when Wolverine totally saw through the Marauder's trap, and we've got the 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 punch into seemingly nowhere, and then the next page with his claws protruding through. Oh, what's that? Uh, Lady the, Mastermind. Yeah, the one that doesn't wear much clothing. She definitely has a an Emma or an Emma Frost from the uh, yep. Bendis Uncanny. She's got era. a Chris Chris Bacalo designed costume. That's all. Yeah, it just it goes like down the sides. It's a jacket that somehow stays in place. It made a convenient window for her to get stabbed. Yeah, guess what? You are now protecting your <laughs> exposed guts. <laughs> I just thought that was a really fun reveal. Mm-hmm. Holy up. All right, may may I say my Crusher Creel Award for silly villainy? Oh, please do. Mine is or is uh, Mister Sinister kind of going out like a real punk. Like, just, you got rogue-touched, you're out. Like, he... That's he, it. He doesn't, I mean, to, like, he doesn't know how to take a bump, clearly. He does not know how to take a bump. <laughs> he he's he comes back, obviously. There's a million Sinister clones or whatever. But just this particular time, I was like, wow, what a nerd. Yeah, yeah. Well, my silly villainy, I gave uh, to uh, Malice uh, for... For her line, did they run out of full-sized X-Men? They're sending in the kindergarten class now. You gave Silly Villainy for a best line. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We're Morley Gray around here. I know, Christy's (laughs) bending the rules. (laughs) I mean, also, she's pretty... Because on the same page, she she definitely, like, goes out to the the soul dagger. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. gets she gets stabbed by Pixie. Pixie's pretty good in this too. Charlie, do you have a moment of silly villainy? I mean, my moment of silly villainy would have to just be because of the way it was telegraphed in the comic. Uh, Mystique just holding ba- the baby and like just pressing it onto Rogue's face. <laughs> that is just, it, is just... <laughs> like, have... it could have been the foot. Yeah, or... no, just. <laughs> They didn't just. It's like they didn't decide that they wanted to like kiss the like the visual the like the visual part of it should have been like her lips kissing the baby's forehead like you normally would because for the first half of it it was just like Mystique pressing the baby onto her face and yeah, I'm just... like okay. <laughs> Babies being used as weapons in comics happens far more than you would and... think. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, people have baby dark side in DC, and like Batman, like pulls him out of a backpack. He's like ready to go. He's like, I will shoot you with baby dark side. He's carrying his backpack around. <laughs> Still got the whole dark side. Wow. Head here. All right, and we are going to unveil our new accolade, courtesy of Charlie Davis. Have you told Charlie the the name, the title that you dubbed this? Oh, so Charlie, this is called the Key of C. Wow, that sounds like epic and like 
you needed to retrieve it from a castle or something. I'm excited about it. Well, the C stands for Charlie and Chris and Christy in comics. So it works great. Heck yeah. So this accolade is going to be um, the moment in whatever set of issues we're covering would be most enhanced by a musical number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thought real hard about it. This it is great. so good. The, the the whole time I was reading this last series of issues, like I started off and I'm like, yeah, I got this. I'm like, ooh, ooh, that'd be, that'd be good here. Maybe another one here. Now I'm just imagining this whole thing as a musical and it's a lot more fun to read. Ah, good. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Well, Christy, how about you go first? Um, so I feel like Bishop needed needed a ballot, a, a moment of indecision, like his moment of indecision about killing the baby where he, you know, really has that internal struggle because he doesn't do it right away. And so he, he should have a ballad going through all of his struggles and where he's at and where his mind is to really uh, help, you know, us empathize with his position here. Kind of a, a Javert moment. Yeah. 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 yeah I, can, I can definitely see that. Mine is uh, Mystique and Rogue needed to have a duet, kind of hashing things out. Oh, that's good. Yeah. These are are all good. Yeah, that's good. Um, So, thinking Mm -hmm. on it, I think that Gambit deserved a quiet moment alone song with Rogue while mm -hmm. she was laying on that um, table and Mm. the lights would dim. And then he would just have a, a song about her and how he feels without her. It'd be mm-hmm. good. I like the idea of Gambit singing in his phonetic <laughs> He's having a real good singing voice. I bet he does. See, and I love this whole crossover so much more. Imagining it as a musical. <laughs> Messiah Complex the musical. Book oh, it bravo. now. Book it now. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Charlie Davis, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, thank you for, for giving us a new accolade and for choosing this crossover. Yeah, a Anytime. lot of thanks. <laughs> Anytime, guys. I, uh, I, I, like I said, I'm glad I, I could bring you joy by enhancing your comics reading experience by not thinking about everything as a musical. <laughs> and I am delighted to give you all my Patreon dollars. Uh, all right uh charlie would you like to tell folks where they can find your work or follow you on the internet yes um you can find me personally at genetic ghost on twitter where you will be delighted by a slew of clips about wrestling um also (laughs) comics um if you would like to tell somebody on the internet to make a place where i can upload videos um in a short amount of time that i can get back to and link people to very very easily let them know that so i don't put them all on twitter but that's my compendium (laughs) right now i talk about comics there i talk about wrestling there I also have a podcast uh, called The Young Ones, where I talk about teen superhero teams and why we love them with my partner Mikey and our friend Reed. We have had a little bit of a rough month, probably going to retool a bit of things coming in the new year, uh, maybe starting a new uh, a new podcast project uh, in conjunction with that. Um, so stay tuned, because I am haunted currently, and I need to get the ghosts of wrestling out of me at some <laughs> point in time. Um, you can find my writing at xavierfiles.com. Um, 
com, I think. Um, I write. Yeah, it's a dot com. Yeah, I write a. I write an article right now called Excalibur Buddies. Uh, every time a new issue of Excalibur comes out, I will be writing about the new Guardians of the Galaxy series that is going to be starting this coming year. Um, and um, I occasionally write other places. So follow me for that good, good content if you're so inclined. Yeah, as for us, you can always follow us at Chris's Pod on Facebook and Twitter. You can email us at chrisisoninfiniteearths at gmail.com. We love those five-star reviews on Stitcher, iTunes, all the places. Yeah, I noticed we had a... Like another five star review, but with like no no comment, just the stars. So we appreciate that. But if you would like us to read out your comment on the show, we are always more than happy to do so. It often gets us on some fun tangents. Yeah, you can always give to our Patreon and be like Charlie, uh, suggesting crossovers that we are required to read and accolades that we are required to permanently add to the show you can do so at www.patreon.com slash chris's pod if you want to donate on a more singular basis do so at www.ko-fi.com slash chris's on infinite earths i should have standardized those but it's too late now (laughs) links in the show notes links in the show notes (laughs) uh next time we're going to be doing a dc crossover guess what christy we're covering infinite crisis there's an uh, another crisis? Yep. We were on such a fun track, though. And we're still going to be Infinite uh, Crisis. Ooh, ooh, hmm. uh, did you miss Alexander Luther? Oh. Did you miss Superboy Prime? Mm. Did you miss Earth One Superman? Yeah. You might not after you read this, but we'll discover <laughs> it next time. <laughs> we're probably going to be doing that over the next couple episodes. It's, I think, a seven issuer. All right. Sounds good. Yep. Uh, and you can also check out Chris and I's work at XavierFiles.com. Oh, yeah. I should shout out Marvel Files, which is my own little sub imprint where we talk about things that aren't X-Men because there are there are things that exist that aren't X-Men. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the editor of all those pieces uh, for the most part, except for the Thor piece, which I'm writing. Um, that is being edited by Allison Senecal. Thank you, Allison. And uh, this this new year, I'll be starting writing about Captain uh, Marvel. We're gonna call it Captain Seas with uh, Cat Purcell, and that should be a whole lot of fun. I am still writing Marauders as well, and I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for for next week. Oh yeah, we've got a, or, we've got Marauders and X Men and Thor for, for, for this week. Actually, yeah, by the time the the, the readers readers listen to this, yep, you will have all been caught up and probably read our articles god we have a busy week it's a lot of fun a lot of fun life goes at you fast (laughs) well happy new year readers uh because it'll be the new it'll be the new year yep let's hope 2020 is better than 2019 i think i've been saying for years and years (laughs) (laughs) all right readers thank you and until next time slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours